All right, you ready, man? Yeah. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is The Greatest Show on Dirt, coming to you not actually from the Sweet Bee Studios. The Greatest Show on Dirt is on a road trip. As you guys know, we're a real popular podcast, award-winning. My mom loves it, um, and she knows everything. She's the authority on everything in life. And I am here with my buddy Cody, Cody Nations, in his apartment. What's up, man? What's up, man? What's Nothing, up, guys? Man. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Say hi. I am like, I'm I'm pumped to be here. I've uh, Are you? I've been listening. Could you act a little more excited? <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to uh, The Greatest Show on Dirt and Q um, ever since we met, probably, what, six, seven months ago? It has and been, like, man. we just started chatting it up, and you were like, we were talking about podcasts or something like that. And then you said that you had just started your own. And yeah. ever since then, man. Yeah, what's so amazing about that is you listen to it once and then you listen to it again. So that's awesome. So thanks for that. I'll have to tell mom that she's not the only person that listens to it anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember when we, well, shoot, when did we meet, man? What were we doing? It was just at a meeting that we it was at. A, it was at one of the AAF meetings. Yeah, that's American Advertising Federation. So yep. we're a couple advertising and marketing. Yep. Dare I say use the word guru? Nah. <laughs> in 2012 maybe but 2018 i feel like guru is such like a, a a weird word but yeah yeah you know but that's what it is um but you know when i met cody i knew um we started talking baseball immediately and he said he was a red sox fan <laughs> to which i I nearly thought in my head i was like i don't know if i can be friends with this guy yeah. <laughs> um but you know, i'm also a cubs fan too so honestly it was um it was a match made in heaven it was I mean, kind of like stepbrothers, you know, because I'm a Cubs fan naturally from Illinois. You're a, you're a Red Sox fan, and we're two very much tortured, very much so. tortured organizations. Like I finally can go a full day and not need to drink. Um, <laughs> the Cubs are winning baseball games. They've made the playoffs. Shoot, in 2015, three years in a row now. Yeah, they've made the NLCS three years in a row, and prior to that, they hadn't made it since like 2003. And that was, no, they made the playoffs in 07. They made the NLCS in 03. I remember watching that game with my dad, man. Well, and see. And he got so mad. I, you know, I'm, I'm young. I'm, I'm only 27. And so for the first, you know, 90, the 90s era, I mean, we were pretty terrible. And I can obviously only remember from about 95 through today. And the story, I know I'll, I'll I'll share it with you, even though you didn't ask me, Q. Oh, dude, please do, yeah. The, I, so we're in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm from North Carolina, but the reason that I'm a Red Sox fan is when I was seven years old, um, I went to Boston and Maine for a family vacation, and we flew into Boston. It was the first mm -hmm. time I'd ever been there. I was playing t-ball. Like nice. baseball was the only sport I was playing at this time. Mm -hmm. And my dad just bought me, um, in fact, the other day for Easter, I asked him about this. I was like, Dad, do you remember all the stuff that you bought me up in Boston that was Red Sox gear? He's like, yeah, I think I remember. I bought you like a, a bat, a baseball, and a glove, and um, something else. It was like a coin. Mm -hmm. And I still have all that stuff. And I was seven years old, and ever since then, I've just been a Red Sox fan. I never, I was never a Braves fan for some reason, because, mainly because the team that I was on, we were the Giants, mm -hmm. and we our biggest rivals were the Braves. So it just made me like in like intuitively not want to pull for the Braves. That's what's smart at a young age, right there. When I was what you got five, six, and seven, mm -hmm. 
And so going to Boston and just seeing the city, getting that stuff and seeing like the, the Red Sox logo, I, I just became a fan right then and there, Dude, man. And it's yeah. been so from then to 2004, extremely tortured. Yes. And like, ex- yeah. I, 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 and then it just like I started learning so much about the history of baseball and. Yeah, man. I mean, since then, of course, it's been we've we've been on a pretty good run. Dude, but I love that, man. Like the story itself is what I'm talking about. I love like we'll go into the Red Sox, talk a little bit about 04 possibly. But like I love a story like that because like the power of sports is just so crazy. Like I was like pretty close to my grandpa growing up. Like he, he lived across the street from me and my parents. And I always go over there and I remember watching Cubs games on WGN on like a little 13 inch TV. And then like my dad coming home from work and us playing catch. He teach me how to pitch and like, pitch, you know, built me like a pitcher's mound. And I know baseball always tells that story of like this nostalgic relationship building thing. I think you can get that from any sport, but baseball, I think, does something different. Have you ever watched that um, that Ken Burns baseball documentary? Yeah. I have. Yeah, it's on Prime. It's been on Prime forever, where you can just watch it for it's free. It's been a, it's been a while, but I do I have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. So Buck O'Neill, do you remember who Buck O'Neill yep. is? Dude, I've got his book and I haven't started to read it yet, but the way he talks about baseball is just like it's so captivating. There's some or like guys, the words yeah. he has to say and like the stuff he's been through, like you know when baseball was segregated, and then he, mm-hmm. I think he came in and I know he was a scout for the Cubs, and I don't know who else. But, man, just to hear him talk about baseball and, like, the stories he has. He talks about one story, dude, and this is, like, one of my favorites of all time. But he talks about how three times in his life how he heard this one sound, this one particular crack off a bat. He said one time was Babe Ruth, Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. the second time was Josh Gibson. Um, And Hmm. Josh Gibson was – I don't remember who he played. He might have played for the Monarchs, but I feel like it wasn't the Kansas City Monarchs. It was, like – I don't remember. I have to come. I have to circle back around. That's that. that's back in the cobweb somewhere the here. Third time being Bo Jackson, and Bo yeah, Jackson I've, might yeah. be. Yep. Dude, that ESPN thirty for thirty. Yep. I feel like he might be my favorite athlete and baseball player of all time. He was. He just was an animal, man. Just a monster. He was like running up when he was like in. I guess he may have been playing center field that day and like ran up the wall after he made that yeah. catch and then gunning down Harold Reynolds. Like those are crazy stories. I know, man. I, I um. I love the history of the game. Like yeah. I wish, <laughs> I, I wish that I even knew it more than what I what I do know. Yeah. Um, I w- wish I could take the time. Like some of these guys that you know write these like three hundred and fifty plus page books on like the history of the game. I mean, oh, like man. I'm super envious of them. I'm in one in one hand, and the other hand, I'm kind of not. But um, I do I do really appreciate the history of the game and. Um, Especially, not not just like from the Red Sox point of view, uh, but just the uh, just to see how I know we're thinking about talking this later, but just to see the evolution of the game, yeah. like how it's progressed over the last seventy five years. Oh yeah, you I have mean, these athletes just pushing these boundaries and yeah. doing new things that you never thought they could do. How home runs are going so far, it's crazy. and just what people do on the field, you're just like. Holy cow, like, look at that athlete. Like, there's a certain amount of beauty that goes into, like, the pain and 
like someone pushing themselves like in that particular moment, whether it's like Dave Roberts stealing second in 2004 when everyone in the world and your grandma knows he's about to take that bag, still does it and still makes it. Kurt Schilling, bloody sock. You've got, um, I mean, even the torture of like the 03 NLCS when the Cubs lost to the mm-hmm, Marlins. Mm-hmm, we were mm-hmm. in the living room. My dad throws the remote afterwards. Like the team implodes. And I've still got like visions of like the top of the eighth inning. Anytime like the past two seasons, the Cubs have been in the playoffs because it's like I have this, um, I just like, it's like it's like Chubbs on Happy Gilmore, where like you put a gator in front of him, <laughs> and, and he's like, "No, yeah, yeah. like, dude, it's just I straight remember, flashbacks, yeah. dude." When the eighth inning comes, like that 2016 World Series when the Cubs made, like when it would come to the eighth inning, like my wife would just be like, "Like, what's wrong?" And I'm like, "I, I don't know, yeah. I, I can't talk about it." Um, Anxiety and dude, just like it's, I, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I totally. I I mean, I feel that way almost. <clears throat> So I feel that way over the last six games with the Sox, um, where I feel like it was the shortest off season ever. For some reason, I don't know. Maybe it was because I followed the off season like really closely this oh, year yeah. or something. I, mm-hmm. I I don't know, but I feel like October was like two weeks ago, and yeah. and I just uh, I'm thinking over the last six games about last season where I don't know a stat. But I'm pretty sure the Red Sox had to be in the top three of teams that played the most extra inning games, if not number one. Mm. We had, especially after the All-Star break, we had what felt like an extra inning game every other night. It was absurd. Mm. And I just remember it was like every extra inning, anxiety level would like go up more. Mm-hmm. We would we would barely skate by. We would lose these heartbreaks, you know, that at that point in time in the season, like they mean something. Oh yeah. Um and I feel like we already in the first six games, we've had one extra inning game and all the other games, our pitching has been outstanding for the first seven innings. Our starters oh, yeah. have been uh, like historical within only allowing yeah. zero or one run since like 1930 Ooh, or I, 40 something. I read it's this like today and it absurd. Was and I, it's the number crazy. I had in my head was like 1941. Yeah. Because it was that starting pitching stat. And there was another stat in there too that had something to do with the pitching that yeah. just hadn't been done in forever. And, and so all that, all that to say that like we've still in – my opinion, been barely skating by these teams with these wins. Um, and I don't get it. Like, I don't, maybe it's just me and like, I'm a very, I think I texted you after like game two where we won or maybe game three. And I was like, <laughs> man, I, I've probably, I, I should go see a shrink. I remember for, that text. Yeah. Like how just emotional I can get. <laughs> With a team losing, dude, that was right after you sent me the text and you go, Joe, f and four. I yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, dude. Oh my gosh, four man. Runs and like, I was like, yes. I just, oh, don't dude, even get me started honestly, on Joe when Kelly. You sent me man. those texts, dude. I was like getting all warm and like butterflies. And I was like, yes, like just like, dude. Because I mean, like you said, we've only known each other for seven months, and when I saw those profanities pour through a text message, I was like, dude, I just found my best friend. I said, we're good. Oh like, my god, this is so it, legit. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm. When we win, like any one of my teams, like when we win, like I'm ecstatic for like three minutes and then I'm worried about the next game. But when we lose, dude, I'm thinking about it until the next starting pitch 
the next night or the next game or whenever it's the next tip off for a basketball game yeah. or like whatever it is, man. Like I, I take, I'm so bad. I, I, I don't, it's bad. It's like this glass. It's like, <laughs> it's so I, I, I must be like a pessimist, like glass half because I kind of feel like I know what you're going through because the Cubs are five games into this thing right now. Yeah. And I've got a full on essay typed up and I'm like digging deep in stats about their downfalls last year as a starting rotation and how in my mind, like they've got to get this offense fixed and they've got to do it now. So like when they don't score runs, like I'm sitting at home going, I mean, like they just they split the Marlins. Like, what are they even doing here? Like, they're not going to be able to win a game. Like, they're yeah. going to have to change this. And I look at Anthony Rizzo, and I don't even want to look at him. Like, I, I don't even want to look at the team. Last year, every time Jake Arrieta took the mound, deep down, it's like I was like this masochist. I wanted him to fail. And when listen, when Jake Arrieta would like, he'd start to slip up, and he'd walk a couple guys. I'd look at my wife, go, I just hope he gives up like six runs. Like yep. he deserves it. Like I teach feel him. that he deserves it. And that's what happens. Man. I feel I that, man. Bad. So, <laughs> I, look, I've got one shout-out before we kind of deep dive into anything that you want to throw at me. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, bring it so, up. So, um, this is from two podcast episodes ago where you, right before opening day, where you talked about, like, the five foods and the, or the types of foods that you need to have prepared for opening oh, we're day. we're opening day foods. We're Dude, talking I, about, I'm a food well, guy. okay, so I will say this. We had hot dogs tonight from like this custom hot dog. If you're ever in Charlotte, North Carolina, please go check out JJ's Red Hot. So good. Hot dogs from there are unspeakably good. It's amazing. It's like, what do we have? Three or four hot dogs a piece? Yeah. I'm surprised I'm even awake right now, dude. <laughs> I've finished like a 10 hour shift at work and I'm like eating these hot dogs going, oh, I hate myself so much. <laughs> They're so good. Like, I've got the Nexium on deck. Oh, dude. good. Good. <laughs> I might need some of that. So, that podcast episode. It actually doesn't have anything to do with food, but I have to say this. You were talking about your wife, Courtney, of course. not being on that podcast episode with you because she was apparently supposed to be, and you were going to write her up for, a, this is an honorable mention, of using the word desagulation. So bravo, <laughs> bravo, yeah. my friend, bravo, my friend, because you said desagulation. And I yes. literally, I was driving in my car to Asheville, probably going 80 miles an hour nice. and about had a heart attack and wrecked because I've <clears throat> never, ever, ever heard that word outside of that episode of The Office. I've never heard of that ever yes. other than like me saying it to other people that are obsessed with The Office like Dude, absolutely. me. Absolutely. So, disagulation. Bravo. The second thing <laughs> from that is, um, is I was really surprised when you started talking about McCutch mm -hmm. and um, him going. I, I, I was just really interested in what you had to say about the whole Pittsburgh thing. And what came to my mind was that, like, this whole – I don't know how much you keep up with the NFL – but, like, Le'Veon Bell is the Pittsburgh running back yep. that I, I don't under – I cannot wrap my head around what that organization is doing when he, in my opinion, is the best running back in the league. I mean, he might be the best player in the NFL, I, like a guy that can make an impact on a team. I feel like I know just I, that much where I'm like, this is – You're a, not a, wrong. Yeah. I mean, the, the Steelers have won games, especially last season, simply because of him. Mm -hmm. Um and so I don't know like what it is. If I'm a Pittsburgh fan of the Pirates and the Steelers, I, I I'm just deep down depressed and angry oh, at what yeah, is man. going on. But I mean, look, McCutch, I mean, I think McCutch's 
an outstanding player. I didn't like look up any of his stats or anything like that to see what, um, like it, what his war is or anything. But yeah. I mean, he's probably what five six. Yeah, I, I mean, at his least. MVP season may have been seven. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like his good seasons, I think he was putting about a five or six yeah. war. But anyways, um, I when, whenever you were kind of going through your players to watch out for mm. and teams and stuff, and you were talking mm. about the Giants and how they've made some moves but not really made some moves, getting McCutch, I think that was really interesting. So bravo on you on that because I feel like he's one of those players that's like so impactful to a team but gets overlooked. Yeah, and we had this conversation, me and you, what was it, two or three weeks ago we were talking about Jake Arrieta. Yep. And you know what? Alex Rodriguez called the Sunday night ESPN game and did a phenomenal job because That's he right. used the exact right. word you use when you talk about the eye test. And this particular situation A-Rod was trying to explain is Rich Hill was pitching. He's a lefty, right? And Joe Panic, left-handed second baseman, was batting. And Joe Panic's been swinging a hot bat. And mm-hmm. Alex Rodriguez says, you know, if I'm Rich Hill or Dave Roberts, I'm either good. I, I would put Panic on either with an intentional walk or pitch around him and get the McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. And Jessica Mendo- or yeah, Jess Mendoza. Mendoza. Like, You'd really do that because to sacrifice that lefty-lefty matchup for That's a righty-lefty. Yeah. And Alex like, yeah, because it's the eye test, right? You look at these guys and you see who's hot. Well, Panic walked, and then McCutcheon flew out on the first pitch. That's, what, saw, they, that's right? what they did. That's what the Marlins did last <clears throat> night. And um, Ramirez yep. hits the double, so we get two in, and they had intentionally walked Benintendi. Because that's lefty on lefty? Lefty on lefty. Yeah. And, and you get that eye test with the guy who's swinging the hot bat. And I could easily tell you right now, and I'm not a huge Red Sox fan, nor did I watch the game last night, but I know Hanley Ramirez is in the best shape he's been in. Oh, he's much better shape, yeah. conditioned crazy in the offseason. He's, he's one of my and favorites. And that's what frustrated me so much with that McCutcheon deal is it's this, whether it's this hardcore data-driven thing or it's small market teams dumping their funds, I'm not too sure which it is. And I would never sit here and say, oh, Pirates fans or Pirates fans be mad because your owners just only cares about money. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter like what's true or what's not. But that Pittsburgh fan base, after McCutcheon and Cole were unloaded, they wanted a petition to force him to sell this team. Uh, yeah. Number one. So the getting rid of McCutcheon, like one, it hurts the fan base, right? And like you could make a case like that's gonna hurt like the business side of the yeah. game. Cause you're talking merch sales, people coming out to the ballpark, you know, hot dogs and craft beers or you know, craft beers eight bucks and a hot dog's eight bucks or whatever. So like for that reason alone for the fans, because what scares me most about this heavy, like, I mean, baseball makes so much money now is if it ever gets to the point where it's too much business and not enough fandom, like that's going to hurt the game long term. I and think so. Honestly, part of the reason why I started this podcast is because I want to just create some sort of like fun voice to where, like me and you could get on here and just talk and like just talk like normal people yeah. and not tune into MLB network with guys in suits. And because all this stuff is like being monetized now. Um, but also like what frustrates me with the Andrew McCutcheon situation is failing the eye test, right? McCutcheon really had one bad season in 2016. Yep. Then Starling Marte is coming up and they're quick to cash in on that. Because, well, I guess they could pay Starling Marte a lot less money. Yeah. But also, like, he has one bad year. Let's get rid of this guy who literally brought baseball back, his dreadlocks and MVP yep. season and all, back to Pittsburgh that went 13 or 14 seasons in a row and did not make one postseason. And there's got to be something said for that eye test. And that guy that plays, Andrew McCutcheon, is a phenomenal person and a phenomenal athlete. And don't tell me you couldn't pay McCutcheon in a sport 
where you make more money than you ever have on yeah. top of the luxury tax and revenue sharing. So every time the Yankees and the Red Sox blow out their budget, you're getting a little bit of that money on top of, you know, every Major League Baseball team this season is getting $50 million free dollars yeah. because yeah. of the multimedia yeah. sale. And so you're telling me, like, as you're bringing up guys like Josh Harrison, Starling Marte, you've got Jamison Tyon, who's a pitcher, mm-hmm. but, and McCutcheon's obviously a position player. Tell me what that does to the clubhouse, mm-hmm. because look at this right now, me being a Cubs fan, and what Anthony Rizzo did for that clubhouse. Right. So he was, I mean, he was a second or third round pick. He wasn't heralded. Theo knew him because he introduced him to John Lester because yep. they both had cancer. And it wasn't like he was this... Anthony Rizzo wasn't like Hunter Green, who was like the number one pick of this past year draft, mm-hmm. or just this heralded rookie, like, oh, when this guy comes up. Like, he wasn't, he didn't have the fanfare of Shohei Otani, right? Right. But it was like the character yeah. that Theo Epstein saw. And I feel like Theo's good at that because he did Theo's the same one of thing the best in Boston. And I feel like when he picked, um, Dustin Pedroia, he was on nobody's map because he was an undersized, maybe a shortstop at the time, or maybe he was always a second baseman. But that's probably what frustrated me most for the Pirates, their fans, and McCutcheon is tell me you don't keep this guy in the clubhouse. Bring up your farm system, but pay McCutcheon because of who McCutcheon is. And I'm telling you what, when you make those decisions in a clubhouse and all of a sudden you're looking at a guy who's 29-30, who had a bad year, who nobody wants because he, he... the Pirates were ready to dump him after 2016 and couldn't do it because nobody wanted him. Nobody wanted this leader. But you're telling me if you flip that role and say, hey, listen, nobody wants you, but we've never had that conversation and we believe in you and we're going to lock you up, help us develop these young guys. What's that going to do to a guy's psyche? Mm-hmm. He's going to get pumped at that point because it's no different than the day jobs me and you have to where like the company believes in you, you're doing things good, then all of a sudden you perform better. And that's why I love the San Francisco Giants move so much. Mm-hmm. But And here, here's what sums up the Giants move. Madison Bumgarner was quoted as saying, I'd rather play with a bunch of guys that have been there. He goes, if you had tried to talk me into this when I was a rookie, I'd argue with you. But at this point, that's what I want. And so for the Giants ownership, who won World Series in 10, 12, and 14, mm-hmm. adds guys like Evan Longoria. Yep. All-star player. Wasn't last year. Nope. Andrew McCutcheon, Austin Jackson, great defender. They said, well, let's put Austin Jackson in center because he's a great defender, and McCutcheon's not so much. So instead of telling McCutcheon, hey, here's what you can't do, like, hey, here's what we're going to do. And now all of a sudden, like, what if these Giants have built a team to where they've got a bunch of guys who, you know, were told by other people they can't do it, but the second you create that right environment, you light something on these guys and create this environment that guys like Theo Epstein have done for so many years to where, hell, you know, like, that's what you get. Do you think it's... Do you think it's because so many teams right now kind of have the Houston Astroitis? Where, oh, yeah. Where, but I was thinking about this. I've thought about this a lot in a lot of different sports where people, a lot of these franchises and the guys that run them are looking at kind of this new wave, this new mentality, mm-hmm. this new process of how your franchise is going to grow and evolve and hopefully win a championship based on the process in quotations Mm -hmm. over the next four, five, six, seven years, like however long that process needs to Mm -hmm. take, whatever the sport is. And what Houston has done that I, I feel like so many teams are in GMs, are thinking that they can do that. Yeah. And it's like, 
No, what Houston has done over the last seven years to get to last year is way is not something that you can just like. Well, we're gonna throw everything out the door and start from scratch mm-hmm. and go from here. Like, I, and I feel like so many different teams are trying to do that, and it just doesn't make sense. And then I look because I look at a team like the San Francisco Giants, and it's like, hey, we can capitalize on that this year. We can capitalize yeah. on what we've got going on this year. I should say that my dog is like obsessed yeah, with this Hugh. Is McKinley. We don't have Brody in the Sweet Bee Studios, but we got McKinley. Who's McKinley just is like obsessed so with you. So, but yeah, a lot of stuff you're saying. Well, let me let you finish. I don't want to cut in front of you. No, that I mean that was it. I just feel like what San Francisco is doing is kind of like the uh, the Miami Heat version when they brought in Chris Bosh and LeBron James mm-hmm. and Dwayne Wade and said like we don't need a bunch of rookie guys or a lot of guys that have X, Y, and Z stats. Mm-hmm. We know that these three guys can play ball. Yeah. And they played some of the best ball of any team that's ever been on the court. Oh, yeah. And the same thing I think can be said for teams trying to do what Houston has done. And it's real I mean, it's just not something that happens. I mean, what Boston did when Theo came in before 04 started this whole metric and I mean it just it created a whole new universe I think Mm -hmm. with advanced metrics and getting on base and and so many different things this whole money ball era Mm -hmm. and I just feel like I don't know I mean I'm not saying that Boston did anything wrong we obviously won and then we won two more but um I don't know I just feel like I, I feel for certain teams that like Pittsburgh for example that yeah, you know it's it's hard to argue with you know the process like you said because what like what came along with that process was a World Series that hadn't been won in ninety eight years and then another one that hadn't been won in one hundred eight years right you had generations of families that got to enjoy this thing together and honestly you can say that about the Houston Astros as well because Hurricane Harvey came through yeah I mean, and you had fans that were watching the game that like their walls were barely standing mm-hmm. up. They had generators power in their house and they would fill it up with gas before the three hour game we'd get to watch. Mm-hmm. But what a lot of what you said makes sense because you you feel for those teams and you kind of worry about them. You never want to see, you know, because when you have the players union like filing grievances because they have suspicions of teams like the Tampa Bay Rays and the Miami Marlins and the Pittsburgh Pirates because did the Pittsburgh Pirates need to sell off in my opinion? No, no, I, I wouldn't have sold off because that was a lineup that was still hard to get through. But what yep. you had last year with the Pirates were Jamison Tyon. Mm-hmm. He had testicular cancer, so his season was a little off, but he was also a rookie. And then Garrett Cole had a bad year because of his pitch selection. Every scout in the offseason said he changes his pitch selection. He'll pitch good. And he did it on Sunday and went like seven innings of two earned runs. And they're kind of like the Marlins. Like they didn't need to do that. Add pitching, especially in an off season where pitching was so cheap. Yeah, you could get pitching yeah, oh for nothing. Gosh. But they sell off, and then that's what makes me nervous. Is do you have this guise of, um, well, we're going to rebuild, but like then you have these guys pocketing all this revenue sharing money. And th- yeah, that's the whole that that was my whole point. Like the punchline of all that is like rebuilding <clears throat> is is hard. You, it's not like you're just going to get <laughs> for every first round number one pick that went good, whether it's Chipper Jones or Chris Bryant, a guy that was drafted ahead of Chris Bryant 
no longer plays Major League Baseball. Exactly. They're exactly. All, Todd Van Poppel was the guy drafted right after Chipper Jones. Glad you remember that. You know Todd Van Poppel? I I know the name, and I don't. Dude. I would have never said. Like, dude. I could have never remembered. I that. had an older brother, dude, and we'd collect baseball cards growing up. One of my favorite cards was Todd Van Poppel. <laughs> I was always attracted to the baseball <laughs> players that could throw like a hundred miles an hour. Oh yeah. And what it was is like Bobby Cox and company. They were going between Chipper and Todd Van Poppel. So Chipper obviously mm-hmm. got picked up one. The Oakland A's picked up Todd Van Poppel mm-hmm. at number two and. Hard fastball, but flat as a pancake. You know what I mean? So, like what you said, yeah, the rebuild's never going to be guaranteed. There has to be some sort of strategic thing to it. And at some point, the thing doesn't go full circle, but I think it's got to even out Uh, to the point where, okay, we've got half eye test, half data, right? But I'll never... And I'm going to say it, but I don't want to say it. But I'll... The owners, in my opinion, are always guilty until proven innocent because... Always where there's been smoke, you have found ownership, not treating players well. And with even what happened this past offseason, that scares me more than anything because I don't know if this sport has another work stoppage again. I agree. Which the current collective bargaining agreement expires, I think, after 2021. Yep. It can't do that. And the owners, it's on them at this point. And the owners cannot let that happen. And I don't care if you're an owner of a team and you're like, well, they just want too much money. I want to look at the owner and say, well, go into another business because I'm sorry you're running a business and the players have a union to protect themselves because they've been taken advantage of in the past. And the players are what makes this thing go around. Like, I don't That's watch right. a Cubs game to watch Theo Epstein. Yep. Now, granted, if I saw Theo Epstein at Luminati's, I'd scream like a little <laughs> girl, like just freaking out. <laughs> Me too, <But> though. <laughs> these owners have to take care of these players and if they feel like 100%. oh 50 percent of our overall revenue to pay players is too much i don't know that you have that choice but i feel like these things run parallel to each other you've got happy players you've got guys wanting to come in and play the sport you create a better game and everything's always going to go up in like 2002 or three baseball players were making record amounts of money as in regards to the overall uh, revenue of yep. major league baseball mm-hmm. and where's baseball at right now yep. making more money than ever exactly i feel like well you're either depreciating or appreciating and i feel like i i don't under i don't understand where this whole sort of under the table argument or mentality rather of um they're wanting too much is coming from because at the end of the day, I mean, those guys are in the positions that they're in because they're really, really good at what they do, not only from as a player, but also as an owner. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like that appreciation and and I'm not meaning that this term in terms of value. I mean like the appreciation, unfortunately just sometimes isn't there, you know? Yeah. Mm. But what was I going to say? I was going to say something I felt like kind of important. I forgot. Oh, um, something that you said kind of reminded me of this, but I know do you ever listen to Dan Lebertard show? I I used to more. I haven't in the last like year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I keep up, but I used to listen his to all the time. His podcast is so good. I don't watch much of his show like mm. on TV, like highly questionable. I think. Yeah, the, no, the podcast. I that's I just okay. don't listen to it as much anymore. Yeah, his podcast is awesome. Yeah. But I've always kind of like listened to what he had to say because he's a Miami guy. Yeah, you're talking through and through. Yep, and. He's, I the first I ever heard Dan Lebertard talk was on that Ricky Williams thirty for thirty. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched that? Yep, it's one of my I've seen. Ones. Pro, I think almost and every thirty for thirty because I mean Ricky was a dolphin, right? Yep. and he had a lot of really just insightful, 
like refreshing things to say about Ricky and really had a good grasp on that whole situation on who he was as a person because he would go on to explain like Ricky wasn't a pothead and all this stuff, you know, kind of helped put a lot of that stuff to rest and was just came off as a guy. I mean, just a real trustworthy, honest sports guy. Yeah. And he's had a lot of like really interesting things to say and insightful things to say about the whole Miami Marlins setup. Um, what was, what's been his take on you know Stanton well, and and Jeter. Here's and one of his big things. He, I haven't listened. He had Rob Manfred on the show, mm-hmm. and one of his problems was when the team was sold. Major League Baseball has to approve it, and Rob Manfred has sworn up and down that he did not know the Miami Marlins financial plan coming into this, and this is a team that has a publicly funded baseball stadium with taxpayer right, money. Right. And Jeffrey Loria hasn't really done anything to give back to that. And, but Rob Manfred swears he did not know the plan of this, which to hear Dan Lebertar talk about it is almost impossible because if you're going to prove the sale of a team, you have to know what their financial plans are. Right. And Rob, Dan believes that Rob held out, so he could sell to so that team would sell for $1.2 billion and really just wanted to sell it to anybody that could take it sort of based off of just like financial gain. And Derek Jeter is like the number one guy you hear who's like the owner. And then I don't remember who the big money guy is. Yeah. Whole thing, I can't but remember. This is like a group of 10 or 12 guys, including like Michael Dell. Mm-hmm. And all of these guys were set to get paid so much. The second Jeter unloaded this team and how Dan Lebetard feels about it is he feels betrayed by Rob Manfred in major league baseball. Derek Jeter is tearing down a team that has been torn down so much. And Rob Manfred on the show was pointing to, well, they won two world series. I can't help but to say that those world series weren't by design. (laughs) They were just probably by a little bit of luck. Yeah. Um, but Dan, he feels, um, I mean, he doesn't like it. He feels betrayed by it. Yeah. Feels for the whole city of Miami because they've stood by this team somewhat. It's never been like a club that's like blown the doors off with like fans coming into the place. Yeah, I mean, but it's they've Miami. they've never had, I mean, did you watch any of the World Baseball Classic? A little bit. They had games in Miami. Those seats were full, my yeah. friend. And it's almost like. If Jeter and them would have done it right, which it seems like this is how Dan Lebertard feels, that they could have worked with what they had and created a winning product now and actually made money at it. But it's glaringly obvious, at least in his eyes, that this whole thing was a money-making adventure. Uh, Because the second he unloaded, and I had the numbers written down somewhere a long time ago about how much guys like Michael Dell would make the second this team sells off a bunch of stuff. Um and I'm sure it's an absurd amount. It's, it's it's pretty ridiculous. And that's what makes you nervous about this whole baseball thing is like, are we just getting into money with these small market teams? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't really think of anything else other than I just knew he's not happy about it. He feels kind of like the way the whole all of entire South Florida does, which is just kind of like you guys are really just going to do this to us again. Like what? Where's Marlins baseball going to be in three or four years? You Wasn't know what it I mean? the Miami the Miami guy? He said he's not going to games anymore. Oh, that's what he said. Yeah. yeah, I don't know much about that guy. I, think he's a I don't either. Cake, but. but I mean, but still, I mean, that's just a good. I think yeah. that's probably like an overall synopsis of sort of how yeah. that whole city's feeling. 
But that team had the best outfield in all of baseball. I mean, they truly were pitching away from it. Yep. Is what it was. And I don't care really if they lost money last year. I mean, I don't know what to say about that other than like you've got a, a team that can win right now. Mm-hmm. So what happens when the rebuild's over yeah. and you've got to start adding pieces to win? Like you're going to do what the Pirates did. The Pirates never mm-hmm. added one big free agent piece all those years that they made the playoffs from like, um, I think the last year they made the playoffs was like 2015. So they had a pretty good stretch from like probably 2011, 2012 to 2015. Didn't add any big pieces. Um, and it's just beyond frustrating to see that. And then Rob Manfred comes on Dan Lebertard's show and Dan Lebertard's getting at him. I'm, like you I'm knew sure. Rob, you knew. And Rob's like, I did not know that they were going to flush out this team the second they came in, which is almost impossible because you've got to see those financial numbers yeah. before this yeah. thing can start. Hmm. But we'll see where it goes. Derek Jeter was on. Mm, I don't remember what game I was watching. I guess obviously the, oh, it was by during the Cubs game when the Marlins played the Cubs and Part of me wants to listen to what he says because he, um, the first question he was asked were, what's like the common misconception of what you guys are doing to this Miami Marlins team? And Derek's answer was, people think that the, like all of South Florida is mad at us and they're not, you know, it's almost like to hear Derek say it is like, that's the kind of stuff that makes the news. But when you hear Derek Jeter talk about winning as his number one priority, that's hard for me to argue with. It really is. And when he talks about adamantly wanting to build a winning franchise and the simple fact that this team was losing money every year and they have not made the postseason since they won the World Series in 2003. That's 15 years ago. Yeah. Like my knees have taken a beating. Like like I went from being a young kid to an old man in the span <laughs> that they've last made the playoffs. Yeah, social media came about Exa- since then. Like, yeah, the invention of the internet, <laughs> yeah. a cellular telephone. <laughs> like all the things like the last time, yeah, the last time the Marlins made the postseason, I don't think I had a cell phone. I know it was 03, but like yeah. I didn't carry a cell yeah. phone for a long time. No, yeah. I, I never had, I don't know if I had a box or a bed frame or not. I definitely didn't have a car with power windows or cruise control. <laughs> like I like Twitter wasn't even a thing. Nope. Like I mean, I don't even know if I had a home computer, dude. Like this is crazy Oof. now to me. I, but Derek talks this stuff. Um, you know, and like I said a second ago, like yeah, the Marlins won two World Series. I feel like a lot of it was by accident because Jeffrey Lurie is just like, let's load this thing and unload this thing and yeah. have a fire sale. Yeah. And his number one goal was probably, let me build a winning team and get some valuable guys and then I can trade them off or whatever later. And, I mean, Derek's right, you know, from 2003 to 2018, so 15 years, you want to get mad because you get a guy that comes in that says, hey, let's stop right now and look at the last 15 years. Are you happy with them? unequivocally every Marlins fan would say, no, we're not happy with them. Then I'm going to unload it and fix it. But then you want to be mad at the guy for unloading it. True. Like I get like you had those three outfielders, but Giancarlo Stanton owed 290 million more dollars. Now that like, isn't going to work. So maybe the Marlins don't do this like fresh full on rebuild, but the Marlins signed a bunch of corporate sponsors this year. And there's going to be more money coming in if they pocket the 50 million they got from the multimedia Multimedia. sale, Mm -hmm. and then you can kind of rebound some money over the next few years. Yeah. You might get a couple top draft picks, but you might be able to sign some guys. There are a lot of good players in baseball and you're in Miami. And I still think, um, my number one thing with them is always going to be communication. Like Rick Hahn during the Chicago white Sox rebuild. They've sucked, man. They really have, but he's communicated so well to the point where like, 
after they do something, you know why they did it. You know who the top prospects are and you can see it with your eyes. And then that brings them hope. And my biggest need that I think that the Marlins and Derek Jeter should do is make sure they communicate so good to the point where you'll get fans coming to the game just like they come to White Sox games. And the White Sox get their butts kicked, but your eyes on the pitching prospect who went five innings That's in one right. run. That's and a good you're point. like, well, did you see Giolito start? Like, we're good, That's man. a good point. And um, I, I feel like there's not many franchises that do that correctly. And unfortunately, it's, you know, the, the ones that do do it correctly are, um, or fortunately, rather, the ones that do do it correctly are, you know, in that, like, rebuilding process. They're changing things up. They're doing things different. I, it's really tough to get away with not communicating whenever you're in a small market or whenever you're talking about the Marlins or the Royals or mm. um, something, you know, teams like that. We're not talking about the Cubs, the Dodgers, Red Sox, Yankees. Like, yeah. They're notorious for being like Bill Belichick at the stand and just like, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. because they can get away with it and us as fans allow it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, you know, we'll boo them, but we know that like the end product, like we know that that's the, the goal all the time. Oh yeah. You know, the Yankees are the Yankees, the Red Sox are the Red Sox. And now thank goodness the Cubs are the Cubs yeah. want to win. <laughs> Uh, that's always a plus. But yeah, I mean, the small market teams, I mean, it's always good for baseball when you've got like that small market Cinderella team like going deep and all that stuff. Like the Royals and, back in what, 2013? Shoot, no, they um they went in 2014 and lost to the Giants. 14. And then they won in 2015 and yeah. beat the Mets. Yeah. And I mean, that in a sense brought a lot of baseball back to KC, you know, and they're rabid fans out there now, and they kind of always will be. Um, I don't know what this offseason is going to do to him, but I think it was kind of like they knew they had to rebuild, and I think the fans have kind of accepted it because they won a World Series. They added key free agents and paid the price for it each of those years. So even in 2015 when they won, they added Ben Zobris and Johnny Cueto, and they spent on them. Here's a uh, here's a little um, nugget for you. Uh, Greg Holland, went, we went to high school together. No way. Yeah, he just signed with the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah, my brother was freaking out. That jerk's yeah. a Cardinal fan. I don't know how he got. We grew up in the same house, but we're from Southern Illinois. And he's like a diehard Cardinal fan. And, uh, dude, here's a funny story for you, man. So, in uh, 04, right, when the Red Sox beat the Cardinals, I went out and bought a Boston Red Sox hat. Yes. And that next year, my brother was like, hey, me and some of my buddies are going to Cardinals games, Cardinals Dodgers. Like, you want to go? I'm like, well, hell yeah, man. I want to go to a Cardinals game. And I yeah. wore my Red Sox hat. Yes. And it was 05, right after the Red Sox had just beat the Cardinals. So I wore my Boston Red Sox hat to a Dodgers Cardinals game. I love like, it. Like, you're a real jerk if you go to a ball game I and love you've it. got like, someone else's hat on. Oh, yeah. But I had to, man. And thank goodness that the Cubs finally won. I've, I've worn Red Sox gear to a uh, St. Louis game. I've been to a couple St. Louis games. Oh, yeah, because I the Cardinals with a passion, man. Like, I love the Cardinals as, like, a friend. Like, to me, the St. Louis They're Cardinals resemble, resemble the Pittsburgh Steelers, a really good system yeah. that's always done it right. They always build Classic. winners. Yep. I mean, maybe sort of. Yeah, I mean, they just do. They take players that you've never heard of, and, buddy, they make them famous. David Freeze, like, I don't know who the hell is David Freeze. Well, I can yeah. tell you all who he is, <laughs> but he's a pirate now, and it's just like, whatever. But that right. franchise is so good. So, like, I respect them, but when you're a Cubs fan – Dude, it's cutthroat, man. Like, I'll fight you for real. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But, oh, Greg Holland. Yeah, so you went to high school with Greg Holland. That's legit, man. Yeah, same age and everything. He'll love pitching in St. Louis better than Coors Field. His his numbers will go down a little bit. Yeah. 
we'll see. I mean, I feel I, I I hope the guy can. Did you play baseball in high school? I did not. No, I played basketball. Oh, that's. I gave up. Man, that's always like a big regret of my life is like giving up baseball. I, I mean, I felt like I had a pretty decent arm. In fact, I was throwing the other day. My my little nephew is like, I mean, he's going for it. That's a blast. He's yeah. he's eleven right now. Yeah. He's on. I don't know how you can pr- be on like two AAU teams, but uh, like somehow he is, and he's, he's got. He just won a tournament program. last weekend, and he's you know they made like a huge ring. Whoa! They made a whoa. Huge, you mean a little league? You get they got a ring? A huge dude. That's so ring, sick. Man. I gotta no fi- I gotta get a picture and show you. <laughs> he showed it to me the other day. I mean, it's like five pounds. It's dude, that massive. is so rad. Because I still have baseball shirts. If I ever got a ring, dude, I die. I, I know. I literally got like sometimes a ribbon back whenever I would win like an AAU tournament yeah. or something like back in you know. And it's 97. a real heavy ring. It's does it heavy. have stones in it? Like what? Yeah, I mean like it's it all it's all fake for sure. But, but still, dude. but still, it's a ring. I mean, Imagine I bought what one that of, does to a kid. Dude, like, I'd be so stoked. I bought one of those like was it like a fifty dollar like knockoff. Uh, Cubs World Series. Yeah, dude, it's heavy. Yeah, man. Dude, and it this, shines and it's legit. This is probably like from the same company or something like that. Dude, anyway, so stoked for your little nephew. Man. He's uh, so he's like, I mean, he's going for it, and he's got if he could just get, he he needs some size, but he's catching. So you're, you're CrossFit guy, man. Yeah, come on. I, he, so is his dad. <laughs> oh, um, but so he's catching now, like full time. Mm. They're not even. You know, for the first like four or five years of him playing, like they're putting you all over the field and stuff. Oh yeah, they've got him catching now. I was third base. I mm-hmm. um and I pitched for a little bit. Anyways, all that to say that like on East over Easter weekend, he uh he wanted to go outside and throw the ball around for a bit, and so he put his catcher stuff on. And um, I mean, I'm throwing it pretty hard at him. Like I'm letting him have it, and he's catching it well. Dude, but yeah. I always felt like I could throw throw pretty well and uh, i guess that always just comes from like being at third base like always having to throw the furthest oh yeah dude and you gotta put something in it and um yeah big big regret of my life is that i i wanted to play basketball whenever i was like 12 versus uh and and wanted to go all in on that instead of baseball fever though man I did, did we have man. this conversation about how cool the Charlotte Hornets colors were? If you Dude. had like a Hornet starter cap and a Hornet starter jacket, like that was it, man. You were a cool kid. I had the Charlotte Hornets like three quarter zip starter jacket. Stop. Dude, it's so sick. Man. So I had that. I had that as Chicago Bulls because I, I was obsessed with Michael. Dude, I was obsessed. But it's so funny that it's so funny that you say that. I know for everyone listening, you're not going to be able to see this. Oh, we can post this on Twitter. But we'll get it done. Yeah. I mean, I have it a, might be on my Twitter, dude. Look yeah, at me. Yeah. Look at this. It doesn't have a date, of course, but I'm probably like, I'm probably like four in this photo. Look at that! Oh, dude, tell me that throwback is not. That's the best throwback, Hornets that long is, sleeve right there. That is so legit. Dude, the '90s Hornets colors were the best colors you could get. Like, if you're going to the skating rink on a Friday night, like get that dude, three that, quarter zip, get that starter cap, Hornets, that purple done. teal combo. Oh, it's so sick. It I mean, was the jam. I, I don't know what it was. I guess it was mainly just because. Who knows? Everyone, everyone liked basketball players. Baseball players were not honestly like, like that's what I was thinking, man. Because I remember like going to like finish line in Foot Locker when I was in sixth grade, and that was when Penny Hardaway was on the Magic. Yep. And you get like the little Penny shirts. Like they had the whole like little Penny ad campaign. Um, and I mean like, dude, my brother had a pair of Alonzo Mornings like that got oh. stolen. And I remember the Jordans that came out. And that was when I was in sixth grade, and they had like the shiny, like you get them in black and red, or you get them in the UNC colors. Totally, yeah, I remember those. Like, like I don't know the Jordan model numbers, but yeah. I just remember like 
the shoes like being oh, the deal yeah. and anytime like if i could get my mom to take me to finish line and look at shoes i'm like let's go yeah like i had to i always uh, that was that was it for me it was like it just felt like it, and i feel like the the four major sports in america they go through these cycles depending on like what the narrative is around like certain teams or <clears> whatever <throat> for you know it's usually like what seems kind of like like a seven year period and it sort of goes through these cycles and stuff and like like right now being a baseball player i mean dude you're set like you're good people know I mean, fan bases and non-fan bases, like, no players' faces. And I think social media has a big part to do with yeah. that for sure. But, like, whenever I was 10, 11, 12, I just remember being, like, no one really, like, cares about baseball. Everyone's all about basketball right now. And so I just – I loved basketball, and I started playing that versus baseball. Yeah. I, I emulated I totally Michael Jordan's fadeaway – much more than I did, like, Ken Griffey Jr.'s batting stance for a few years. Just because, I mean, yeah, that stuff was... Um and always, I'll tell you, I, this is something I think about a lot, too, is, like, in order to go play baseball, you had to have other friends. Like, you had to yeah, go and have someone pitch or, you know... It, it was always much you more logistically four to make it. Yeah, it was could. logistically always harder to go and work on your game as a baseball <clears throat> player. But unless you were like me, where you had like a concrete wall and just threw the ball off the concrete oh, wall all the time. You could get, I yeah. mean, I, my nephew was literally doing that at my my work the other night, and I was like, I, I kept those hearing fast twitch muscles. Like I was like stuff. every five seconds, I kept hearing this like thump, and I was like, yeah. what the heck? I looked out the window and he's throwing it up against the wall. Dude, that's so but cool. um, with basketball, it, I just needed the ball. That was it. Oh yeah, you know, and it was just it just seemed so much more accessible. You know, it's hard to get a field now in Charlotte. So oh, like the house that me and Courtney bought has like five baseball fields right across the street from it. So if you ever want to come, so I bought a pitching machine that's like a soft toss machine. So I don't when I move in the place, I'm spending two hundred bucks on a real pitching machine. Yes, it's only going to throw forty five, but unless you want to spend fifteen hundred bucks on yeah. one that those curves. But what I bought right now is like this soft toss machine where you put it right next to home plate and it just pops a ball oh, up. Yeah, you hit it. Yeah. I go out there every Saturday and Sunday and hit balls. But if you want to get a field Dude, in awesome. Charlotte, like you've got to rent it. You couldn't leave your house on Saturday morning and find a field to play on. Yeah, because there, I don't think there are just it's enough that way of them in my around. Hometown too. Yeah, like in my hometown, there's. I don't know, 10,000 people that live there. It's a small place, yeah. but all the fields are taken. It's hard to get a field. So if I was a kid now, I don't know where I would play because you can't go. To, there's not a park in Charlotte, North Carolina, where you could just walk and play because you got to rent the place out. There's not a batting cage you can go to to just go hit baseballs. They're for teams, and you got to rent the place out. So if you're a 12-year-old or, heck, if you're 15 and want to take a girl on a date and go putt-putt and you know, batting cages, I can't really do it anywhere. Nobody does that stuff that's anymore. It's a really good dating, like, that's a good dating Dude, we had a there. place like that in Illinois, man, where you could go, <laughs> they called it Goofy Golf, man. So I still call, like, putt-putt, I call it Goofy Golf, and people don't know what I'm talking about. They're like, what's Goofy Golf? I'm like, Goofy Golf? Like, what do you want me to say? It's so Happy Gilmore <laughs> went to learn to putt, man. This? Like, well, you don't know what Goofy Golf is. And they had batting cages right next to it, three batting cages, like, slow, medium, and then you could try to rake on the 90-mile-an-hour stuff, but... Always trying ever, to impress the girl. Me, dude, I thought about this. Did you ever get East Bay catalogs uh, when you were a kid? Uh, for, for like 15 years, obsessed. Dude, that was my Bible, man. I still, to this day, think I regret. My biggest regret, man, 
is not ordering those shoes that have the springs on them that exercise your calves so to- you can dunk. I totally you know what I'm talking about? That, yeah. Dude. Totally. And they would that. advertise like you get these and you can dunk because they were those crazy shoes that like pump up your calves, man. I just, I would wear, I would wear like five pound weights around my ankles to school. <laughs> have you ever dunked? I used to be able to, yeah. Not me, man. I used no, to be I able to. I can touch the man. rim and grab it, I, but I can't dunk. Man, I was always just like a good jumper, I, and I still am. Like, I'm not, I've dude. always been able to jump. I'm not a big guy. I'm not. I'm. I'm like five, eleven and a half on on a solid day. Yeah. Um. I've just always been able to jump. I've never had like a ton of hang time. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not doing any sort <laughs> of like trick dunks. I'm not yeah. doing anything like that. But I could go up, yeah, and and. Put it through Dude. the hoop and touch the rim in the process. Dude, I'm like almost six two and I can barely touch the rim. Like that's <laughs> embarrassing, dude. Like I needed those shoes more than anybody. Dude, we used to put the trampoline under the basketball goal. That's just dangerous. And legit, dude. But my, we did the same thing. My yeah, buddy's mom had this little exercise trampoline, and we would put it in front of the basketball. Oh goal, gosh, get a like one of those and jump on. The oh, thing. dude, my buddy Matt, he fell through the thing once. I was going to say, it, literally went through. It didn't hold up. That I mean, that's like. <clears throat> they do that at halftime shows all the time. Like, a, the, oh, he, do those mascots? Yeah, dude. They that's load up crazy. In, man. Benny the Bull's gonna do like a double front flip. It's and crazy. Dunk a I'm just like, man, if you screw up because it's not <laughs> like you're not landing on, you know, a gym mat. Buddy, that's hardwood. It, yeah, or, or if, if you you're don't in break the back, your neck on the back. Exactly. Yeah. If you're out like me on the concrete or asphalt as a kid, now we would take like a we would put the goal on ten foot. And put a full size trampoline. Now underneath I had that too because we had yeah. when I was a kid. We had a full size. Do you remember so we, that show that was popular for like five minutes called? It was like a full size basketball court, but they had the big trampolines built into the court. Wait, this was like a cartoon or a real? No, show? No, this was like real. They had a league. No, they had a league it's for like, like a trampoline five basketball minutes. League? Yeah, man, Holy it was crap. it was the big like um tr- the big rectangular trampoline. Uh, Oh, like if you go, like the gymnastics ones or something. Yeah, and so there was pads in between, so you could like, I don't know what all the rules were, but it was like three or or five on three, three, five on five, I think. And it was crazy, man. Like people, the rules are totally, you know, left field, but... Yeah, I can't Dude, remember what the name is, like should, Slam Ball or something. Uh, I'm hitting YouTube tonight, man. I'm telling like, you, it was that was a real it thing. It sounds like some American Gladiators It was a stuff, real thing. Was awesome oh, show. people were getting like mauled out there. Dude. <laughs> Dude, I remember that. Sure. I just can't remember like what it was actually called. Like the, the term Slam Ball is about trampoline ball. Amazing, I don't know. Dude. Let me ask you this, though, man. Yeah. Because now you, you're a marketer, man. That's what you do. Um, and what we had talked about a second ago was how, like when we were kids, basketball was this big thing, man, whether it's buying little penny shirts or buying these shoes or having the Charlotte Hornets colors and baseball is getting to a point where I feel like it's getting more popular with the players. So guys like Chris Bryant, Carlos Correa, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, probably like even like JD Martinez, right? Because J.D. Martinez is a guy that, I mean, it was all around the internet about how J.D. went to a Red Sox game on his 19th birthday. So baseball is like telling these stories to the point where these guys like aren't just baseball players, but you kind of like get to know who they are. Right. So if you're a Red Sox fan and all of a sudden the Red Sox signed this slugger, but then there's this footage of him when he was 19, just a fan like everybody Mm -hmm. else, like going to a Red Sox game. That's good stuff. But Major League Baseball is still having their main conversation of pace of play. This game has to move faster 
because the world moves faster. We all have the attention span, the length of a goldfish. We've all read like that article. And so that so that's what Major League Baseball is like attempting to do. So this year you get six mound visits per game. So nine innings, six mound visits. Yep. Um, there's Which not is a super. I think that that's fine. Sorry to. I'm going to no, cut no, you no, off no, no, right do, here. Please do. Because I've watched every single um, Red Sox game, um, and I've watched a couple of other games highlights here and there. The the announcers and the commentators stop talking about the mound visit every time that they have an official mound visit now because they're like oh there that's that's one they've only got five left it's just i hate that now i don't want to hear about it again they make it the biggest deal when it happens okay so look at the scoreboard they've got the little popper on the tv that now only shows five mound visits oh they're using their first mound visit they do they make they've only got five left it's only the third like come guys Anyway, sorry. So continue. No, I'm Please glad you continue. said that, dude. It's like three days ago. All weekend, I was watching baseball. That's all anyone talked about was a gosh dang mound visit. Yeah. I'm like, dude. Like we all watch the off season. Like we get it. But yeah. I mean, it's uh, some people look at that as like a big deal. Like, holy crap, sign stealing. What are you gonna do? Yeah. But like me and you sit here and we're like, well, that's not really that big of a deal, you know? Because my biggest pet peeve. Is and you're still allowed to do a mound visit during an at bat. Yep. But what would happen in all those games is you give these all these teams have unlimited mound visits. And my biggest thing, and I wish they would outlaw this, you cannot have a mound visit and interrupt an at bat. I agree with I that. I do. So like on days like if my guy's up there, if Anthony Rizzo's up there on a one-two count and he's fouled off a couple balls, now you're gonna mound visit. My guy Rizzo's gonna stand in the box for 30 seconds. The whole thing's completely reset. It feels like a new at bat, but guess what? He's got one strike left. Yep. And nine times out of ten, you're gonna whiff the guy when you do that type of stuff. And That's I, got to stop. And I totally understand like the strategy behind that on both ends. I I I get it. It's like calling a timeout before a game winning field goal. Mm-hmm. You know, I I get it. I, I'm not disagreeing with the six mound visit rule. Like I I don't mind that. Yeah. Um but I, t- I do agree that, like, the mound visit during an at-bat, I think. Yeah. it's I can't imagine what that's like for a batter in a big no, game. it's done. Especially a big it's game. It's done. Yeah. It's just like icing the kicker in football. Oh, If yeah. you were going to ice the guy that's about to kick a 52-yard and you call timeout and he sinks it, yeah. then he's got to stand there he's for another go 45 up. seconds. Yeah. It's like, crap. Yeah. But... No, the six mound visits I like, and not so much as like a pace of play issue, just as much of it's more of an exciting thing when like you know they can't make that mound visit. It's like a real tight moment in the game. Yeah. But also, you can still make a mound visit if the pitcher and catcher are crossed up. That does not count against your six because that's a safety issue. You don't want the ump taking one in the neck or whatever else is going to happen. So you can still do those sorts of things. And and you know that they're going to like they're going to. Play, the teams are going to play around with that to figure out. Oh, like, to figure out how like, can where's we the get, loophole? Yeah, yeah. Like, where what can I do? Which is fine. Do what I need to do. Oh, yeah. I mean that's what the stuff's about. And, yeah. Um. I so, don't, I don't so anyways, have, you were going to talk. You were going to ask about like. So so here's going, so here's what we're working right? with. So this season there aren't really any changes right now that baseball fans are going. What the heck? But there was a rumor. So Rich Eisen had talked about it on his show that said some inside source had let him know that there was some like initial pre-talk about just exploring what it would be like when you get in an extra inning game. I think it was the 11th inning in this text message that all of a sudden a runner would automatically go to second. Yeah. And 
Then there was also something I'd heard about when you get to the ninth inning and your team's losing, you can bat any three hitters you want starting that inning. So if you're a Red Sox fan and you're facing whoever and you guys are down by two runs in the ninth, guess who's coming to play? Hanley, JD, and Mookie if he's swinging a hot stick, right? Um, And then, of course, the pitch clock. So the pitch clock wasn't enacted this season. The pitch clock, pitchers don't want. Mm -mm. They're infuriated about that. But then fans, at least from what I see on Twitter, I've what was it like maybe a month or a month and a half ago on Twitter? I said that I didn't have a problem and I was for sending any three guys up you wanted. And I didn't necessarily have a huge problem with putting a guy on second because I thought as in like basketball or football, when you have your best player with the ball in his hand at the end of the game, I think it would be the second base rule. I think is kind of useless in extra innings. Mm hmm. And now I think over the past like week, I think I hate that rule because there've been a lot of extra inning games uh, yeah. already. They're fun to watch, dude. If it's your team and it's 15 innings and you've got to get strategic, my favorite thing is to see a position player pitch. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, here's a funny story, dude. I love to see a position player pitch. You know who David Ross got his first home run off of? No. Mark Grace. Oh, my god. Was gosh. pitching in a blowout. Oh, Rossi oh got his my first gosh. home run. But I love the stat. fact of the extra innings. But... I got eaten alive on Twitter for saying, hell, if it's the top of the ninth, bottom of the ninth, let both teams bat their three best players because how cool is that to like know every ninth inning if your team's down? And I could be totally wrong on this, but here's my point. Rob Manfred at Major League Baseball, they're using these things on the sole basis of it increasing pace of play and that making the game better. And that's when I almost right now just got off on my tangent, that's what I want to really talk about because what, what's the problem here, right? We know that major league baseball is not the NFL and really from like a pop culture standpoint, it's not NBA. And that's what major league baseball sees what these other two leagues are doing. And they're doing a lot of great things. So major league baseball wants to make some sort of change, right? Let's, let's make this game better for the fans. Well, maybe we just make it go quicker than people will want to watch it because maybe people don't like a game that lasts four hours long. And then here's my thing. When does that talk end? Because fans seem like they dislike it. And the common rebuttal to that is, well, fans don't like anything and they'll get over it. So what I want to talk to you about is from, you know, being like a marketing guy, because I've always kind of been of like, at least on the surface level, the opinion of, I wish baseball would use those resources to like market the game more and market the players more as opposed to worry about pace of play. I would just soon have them put this thing on display with um, TV deals that make maybe West Coast games more accessible. Like my dad in Southern Illinois has never seen a full game that Mike Trout has played. He doesn't buy the MLB packages. He's just a Cubs fan, but he is a baseball fan, but he thinks it's stupid to spend 300 bucks a month on an MLB package when whatever, you know? Um, but what do you think about all that? Like, as far as like, if we're to look at pace of play, as opposed to marketing the game in a different way, telling the story of the players more, just stuff like that. Right? No, I, I think I've thought about this a lot over the last like couple of years since this whole conversation and debate has been going on and circulating within the league. Um, I think there's a lot to unpack. I don't think that there's any like black and white, like step one, two, three answer. But um, I don't think that it is a game length uh, problem, in my opinion. This Mm -hmm. is just me talking. 
because I think it's more about the culture. I think mm-hmm. it's more about the culture around and the narrative around baseball versus the NBA versus, well, not just NBA, but just versus basketball mm-hmm. versus football um, and even versus hockey or versus soccer. The difference, of course, amongst all of those that they all have in common is that there's constant movement, there's constant variation, there's constant change. Mm-hmm. Baseball, not so much, especially for someone that, like, if my girlfriend, well, she's not a good example. She actually likes baseball, and she's now a Red Sox fan. Yeah. So someone walks through the door that's, let's shout say, out to Heather, what? Yeah, shout way. out to Heather. Yeah. Let's say someone walks through the door right now, and we've got, a game on the TV and they've watched, let's say 20 hours of baseball in their life. But they, and so they don't know anything really about it. They're probably not going to be inclined or engaged in what's happening Mm-mm. on the screen. But you and I, on the other hand, we're, I mean, it could be the bottom of the ninth for some, you know, crazy game and bases are loaded, scores tied. What's going to happen. You and I are like, on the edge of our seat. We can sit down and get into it immediately because yeah, we know. And, and Bobby's like, I don't know what's happening. They're just standing so around. I think, that there's, I think that there's like a culture aspect to it that needs to be addressed, and I think that has to be addressed within marketing. The mm-hmm. NBA, Adam Silver, since he's coming to the league, the NBA is in, I, I think, the best spot of any of the they four. Are. I think that's... Really within like any that. of the four major U.S. Mm-hmm. sports, for sure. And I think the biggest reason why is because they know that they are understanding, hey, we are a player's league. Mm-hmm. People care about the freaking Milwaukee Bucks right now. That's the truth. Because of Giannis. He's a stud. People care about almost every single team because of at least one player. Oh, yeah. There's only a few teams out there right now, like the Grizzlies and... Oh my gosh, like who else? Not many. Uh, I can't really any, think of any other teams that people are just like not, they're not talking about on ESPN or Bleacher Report. Like yeah. it, even the Hornets, they have outside of Charlotte last week, they had a great story because Kimba Walker became the number one scorer in Hornets franchise history. Mm-hmm. That was all over ESPN, not just Charlotte sports news. Yeah. Um, so I think that like baseball needs to address the issue of like the marketing issue behind players. I know that the teams are larger. You have a lot more moving parts and stuff. And so getting attached to one player in particular um, people, I feel like we as fans might always be a little bit more reserved because who knows, like injuries are very prevalent. Like trades are so prevalent. Mm -hmm. Um, But you look at guys like, you look at guys like Judge. You look at guys like even Stanton now. I mean, Stanton goes up to New York, and he's going to be like, I mean, Patrick Swayze walking down the street. Yeah. Like, I mean, you look at Otani. He's been in the league for three minutes. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, people love him, not just in Anaheim. Um, Bryce Harper. I think that, like, the MLB should somehow or another get behind these top 15 players – and market them better, market the teams better. Um, how they go about doing that, 
I, I don't know. I mean, everything comes down to like the, 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 the nuts and bolts at that point of like Jersey sales, like making sure that you're doing social media correctly because there's certain teams that like crush it on social media and there's yeah. certain teams that don't mm-hmm. like the Red Sox. I'm lucky that like two out of my four teams like really do great on social media and the Panthers, the Panthers, in my opinion, I might be biased, but I think they have the best social media team in all of pro football. The Red Sox, I feel like their social media is on point. They're really staying, you know, at the forefront of everything that's going on within the clubhouse, outside the clubhouse, mm-hmm. in the offices. Um, I feel like other teams, I don't, you know, I don't know how you implement it. Other teams need to do a bit, a little bit better job of doing that as well, highlighting players. I mean. I think that that's a big part of it and making sure that you're growing the game from and making the game like something that's like my nephew, right? This is a good example. Like my nephew's 11. He loves baseball. The dude never watches baseball though. Like he doesn't, he has an Atlanta Braves blanket on his bed. Mm -hmm. He couldn't, there's, he would not be able to name one single player on that but team. he loves baseball but he loves baseball now he's spending all of his time outdoors and playing baseball and that's good oh, on yeah. him yeah i'm not saying he necessarily needs to know players on the braves but he sure as heck knows who odell beckham jr is yeah oh yeah Big he time. knows who cam newton is he knows mm-hmm. who lebron james is he knows who ben simmons that's a is good point you're 100 percent like right. he knows those guys and he doesn't have to watch cleveland versus toronto to know what happened in that game two nights ago. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a big, I'm like really proving myself like a good point here because I'm just now thinking of all this. Yeah. But he knows like what happened two nights ago with the Cleveland and Toronto game. He knows what happened last night with Golden State and OKC for sure. Mm-hmm. But there's no way he knows what Otani did last night. There's no yeah. way. Now that, I know that that, and and my thing is that like he loves baseball. He loves it. Mm-hmm. He lives baseball right now, and he's 11 years old. So I don't know. I think that that's, there's a lot that goes into that. I don't know how you unpack it. I, I don't know. I, I love baseball, and I think that like it, it won't take – it's not the NCAA. I don't think that they need to like really, really, really fi- figure some things out or like yeah. things can be bad. Yeah. Um, I just think that like I do worry about the game – when I think about like, man, what's the game going to be like in 50 years? Because I'm going to be around for another 50 years, hopefully knock on wood. Um, To your point about like some of the changes that they were, you know, talking about making towards the end of a game or something like that, you know, putting, putting a guy on second or whatever. I'm kind of, I'm like split. I'm like very old school and traditional. And I'm like, nah, I like to keep the game the same. But then I also look at it like this, like the, the new, within the last five years, the college football overtime rules, I think are really interesting. And at first I didn't like it, you know, putting the ball so close to the Because that's how every touchdown every line. possession every in possession is that way. Like starting at the twenty yard line. Exactly. That's one of the first things I thought of when I was like, do you put a runner on second? I, I was like, well there are other sports that do stuff like that. Yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting. I, I don't and of course every team and every player and every, you know, Every person that has anything to do with a franchise is going to argue that till their grave. But um, I don't know, man. I think something like that could be interesting. I don't know if I like that better than like you get to pick your uh, 
your best three. Um, I like the best three better I, I because like the probably runner on that second, one more. I know how fun it is for an extra inning game. So the more like I've kind of unpacked that, like just in this conversation and previous conversations, I love an extra inning game. I really do. But it's with Major League Baseball. Like and what you had said a couple minutes ago about somebody who's not a baseball fan can't really sit in front of the TV and like grasp what's going on. And and also, like you had mentioned, like, where's baseball going to be in 50 years? And I don't, like, know, like, if a runner on second saves that or if letting your best three batters bat in the ninth fix that problem. But the story, like, how people live and how people function on a day-to-day basis and what they value from, like, an entertainment standpoint, it's very much changing and it's ever-evolving mm-hmm. because of the internet and social media and all of this stuff. So and what I really liked what you said before I forget about it is how your nephew would know Cam Newton and Odell Beckham, but not a baseball player. And that's probably the best way I've ever seen that framed because it's a hundred percent true. And he doesn't play football or basketball. He plays baseball, but does not know that Shohei Otani like yoked a home run last night. I bet he doesn't even know who Aaron Judge is. I believe it. And that's crazy. And that tells you like something with how baseball's told needs to doesn't need to change because like you said, it's not the NCAA. So like we're not like in any sort of bind, but if you care about where baseball's at in the next 50 years your pace of play that's not the problem like yeah. i'll watch a I football agree. game that goes into overtime or whatever yeah. i mean like I'll the watch super a 15- bowl's a five hour long Dude, i'm good with it i've never <laughs> once been watching a really good game going damn i wish this thing would end yeah, dude, exactly keep me in front man. of the tv for four hours and i won't I'm have a fine. problem dude keep the jj's red hot hot dogs coming <laughs> bring me some wings and give me some tums dude and i'm good and maybe some pedialyte for the morning brother i'm rocking and rolling <laughs> but like something i how rigid baseball is because obviously and i'm before i forget this gerald early is um, a professor of African American studies at Saint at Washington University in St. Louis, and he was in Ken Burns's baseball. And I want to so bad once I get in the new studio, call him and see if he'll interview with me. This guy's baseball mind and how he describes it, how he describes a game of baseball, will blow your mind. It's like he's the living Buck O'Neill. Oh my gosh! Um, just with. And I, I, I make that comparison not because they're both African-American, but because they speak of the game where you won't hear anybody else talk about the game like that. Right. And he wrote an article um, titled something like just very much like why African-Americans don't enjoy baseball, why they don't play baseball. Um, simply put, because they don't want to. Right. Um, so me and you sit here and talk about like this nostalgic factor of baseball. But the reality of that is that's fading as generations go on. Yeah. And Gerald Early talks about that in his paper. I'll send you the link, man. Yeah. It's a phenomenal read um, to where, like, when you you look at African-Americans and maybe people that don't that aren't just like us or whatever, not everybody looks at baseball. And this number is increasingly, like, getting higher. Um, baseball's not that nostalgic game for everybody. That's right. And at some point people might have like 
people that can influence the game of baseball and change it might have to acknowledge that at some point to where we want, cause like what you said, like you could go both ways on it because in on one hand you really want to preserve the game. But on the other hand, you, we do want to see the game play 50 years from now and be successful because we enjoy the game and we enjoy the players that play the game. Um, so much that we might need to check ourselves into a psych ward. Um, I mean, I wonder sometimes if baseball is an addiction because I might lose my job. Over uh, it. You agree. know, that's what they say. Yeah. You're addicted to something if like you're isolating people in your life <laughs> and like you get fired from your job. And I could literally it's look not at a like problem. an it's AA not a list problem. and go, am I an alcoholic or is this baseball? Like, I don't know it's, what's happening right now. No, I'm, I'm checking yes next to every box, man. I'm literally the maid from Get Out. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I never no, watched that no. movie, man, but I need to. Oh, dude. Oh, my gosh. Anyways. Dude, I'm going to watch it this weekend. But You we'll, have to. Dude, we'll have a movie section here like in 10 we minutes. We have to. Dude, me and Courtney talk movies all the time on the podcast. Oh, that's why I'm, I'm a huge Bill Simmons yeah. fan, man, just because of like the crazy amount of movie talk that that yeah, guy does. Um, what I was going to say on that is um, I think the whole like nostalgic generational thing is a really good point because I feel like you're – Somehow or another, when you're five, six, seven, eight years old, I feel like between five and ten, mm-hmm. like you either sort of latch on to baseball as a fan mm-hmm. or you don't. And then you're like you're never it's like how you're many just times, not a baseball person, yeah, just how many, like you don't like all how many times exactly. Like how many times have you ever met a twenty year old that is like, Yeah, I just started getting into baseball last They're year. Never, not once. Never. No, dude. But other sports for sure like you it be you sign up for a fantasy football league and you're hooked and just you're, like that and you're oh like dude i'm in gosh, it let's go i'm watching it, football that's a to, that's a great point and fantasy baseball is i could i'd rather take a cpa test or something than play fantasy <laughs> baseball i'm in a fantasy I'm, baseball league right now for god. the first time the draft lasted like three hours oh my dude. god dude like i've told i'm a huge fantasy guy and i have thought about <laughs> doing a baseball league and every time I think about it because I, I know how to do it I know everything about it I know how it works oh yeah but I'm just like even <laughs> I don't have that much time you said I don't think even CPA I don't have test, that much dude. time oh. that makes me think of Parks and Rec man with like all the accounts are so boring <laughs> on there and I'm just like yeah I'd rather study me. for the bar like did I tell you this, man? I got a co- my cousin Josh, who I got to get on the podcast. He's an accountant. He's one of the funniest dudes I've ever met, man. Lo- That's what, one of my friends is a, is he's actually he could be a CPA. He's a certified financial oh. planner. He's a CFP. He's one of the funniest guys I've ever met. That's he great. picked Villan. He beat me by like a couple of points in our bracket. We both picked Villanova. Yeah, and uh, it was like the one bracket that I had that somehow did okay i guess just mainly because i picked mm-hmm. villanova i mean i came from like the grave i was in like the bottom of the barrel <laughs> i was in this brag pool of like 200 people yeah. and i was i mean i was like done and then villanova kept winning so like i kept climbing up kept climbing up but anyway shout out to john <laughs> you got beat man did you lose any money no, I think somehow or another we're gonna make money no matter what on this. That's always a plus. I mean, it sounds only, like you guys pyramid like somebody. <laughs> Who'd you take in? Who's my, whose savings account did you drain? Like, if we sa- all make money. Like, what is this? If man? it tells you anything, ninety-five <laughs> percent of everyone in this pool went to U of A and is from Arizona, and so I'm pretty sure they're just all in Sean Miller's pocket, man. Like, oh, dude. I'm dying, man. No, man, I didn't pay a hundred thousand dollars. No, what are you talking about? No, I haven't seen your money. I was not a part of this. But baseball, at some point, I think's got to recognize that 
not everyone and this isn't to like disrespect the game somehow but if you want the game to last for like another couple generations and build that at some point you've got to at least meet in the middle with the story that people want to be told and what people are interested in because everything adapts. I mean, the NBA's adapt. They don't have a traditional all-star game anymore, right? Didn't they have like exactly, LeBron versus man. Steph, like this past exactly. season? And changes are still made. I mean, the NFL's making changes. I mean, and it's I don't like know one tweak. That That's the thing is like, guarantee you next season for that all-star game, they're going to televise the draft, the picks. Dude, I would love because to see that. Dude, if no one League- wants to be the guy on the playground that gets picked last. Oh, no, Mr. And Relevant, the thing dude. is about this is like the person that gets picked last is going to be like Al Horford, who's still like a top twenty dude, no player. Kidding, man. You know what I mean? But yeah, still, we, like no yeah. one wants. To be I, picked I would last. watch that, dude. I don't watch a lot of basketball, but if I knew like LeBron and Steph Curry were drafting guys, I'm like, I'm on it now. Of Could course. you imagine if you did that in baseball, dude? And uh, you had, oh like, my Bryce gosh, Harper, yeah, and John Carlos Stanton picking their All Star teams, and you want to know like, is Bryce going to pick like Chris Bryant? Like, uh, who's he going to pick? Yeah, like I mean, no one really. Really likes Harper, really. So I mean, he's just gonna fight Dude, everyone. Like I love Bryce Harper. No, I love Harper. I yeah, mean, like, like I don't. I think know. players. Like, I don't know if Bryce. I you don't know. Bryce like, Harper's. Jonathan Papelbon tried to choke him, and you're a Papelbon I, guy. I know oh, that. I, yeah, Papelbon man. Like, did try to. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Is like, I think most players probably hate Harper. Tried to put him in the American Dream, brother. <laughs> <laughs> choke him out, man. The American Dream. Dude, Papelbon is my man. Dude, but listen to this, man. So why don't like. And this was like two weeks ago where the Red Sox were playing the Cubs in that spring training game. Yeah. And Mookie Betts was mic'd up, right? And right. Yeah. Hit, and Chris Wright <laughs> hit one over his head. And he <laughs> goes, I'm not getting to that one, boy. <laughs> he's talking. He's talking like, I don't know. What I don't know about that was like, could he hear what like the announcers were saying? Were they talking? It seemed like he was oh, having a two-way he conversation. A, he was having a conversation with the with the guys calling the game. Okay, so that's what I thought. So like, that's what happens. He was they talking. did that in the All-Star game with Bryce Harper, I think, like this past season. Yeah. And I'm like, why don't they do more of that, man? Th- that was hilarious. Up and, like, whatever. Dude, yeah, he's, like, the, they're, talking, they're talking about bowling, and then all of a sudden, like, this thing is hit just, like, in the perfect spot just out of his reach. But he, that's so interesting, though, like, to show how good these guys are. At the crack of the bat, Mookie is like, well, I'm not getting this one, boys. Like, he knew at the crack oh, of the bat – there's no way he's getting that ball. It was so I read the Cubs way by Tom Verducci, and there's a lot of Red Sox Cubs layover because you're talking about Theo Epstein. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever watched the movie Catching Hell? Yeah. So, and that's like half Red Sox, half Cubs, right? Yep. Because yep. you're talking about these curses. But when they went to talk to Mookie Betts, mm-hmm. like Theo did, they put. Let me make sure it wasn't Xander Bogarts and it wasn't JB. It was Mookie Betts mm-hmm. um, because is it? He nicknamed Mookie because of Mookie Wilson or something? Yeah. I think yeah. so. Um, but they talked about they were developing like this test with this, um, with like reflexes. Like, so they had him in this simulation thing to where he would like tap something if something would happen based on like being able to perceive it really quick. And I'm wanting to say it was emulating a pitch. And if it was like in the zone, they would see how quick you would tap. And uh, if it wasn't, you wouldn't tap. Huh. And they said that his like reaction to that stuff was uncanny. I bet. And it was like one of the most interesting reads. And like, as soon as they got this one thing on him, they were like, okay, that's our guy. Because we know that he's got something that like ticks where like we put him on this video game and his reaction time and being able to recognize is just that quick. And I mean, not surprised. This, this is a hot take. This is just straight Red Sox hot take. This, and maybe it's because, you know, I'm older now and, like, I know 
everything about this team. I mean, I, I know everything about, especially all of our championship teams, but this might be one of my favorite teams. Like, there's something about these guys just from a me loving them as human beings and players. Like, I loved Ramirez and Poppy, mm-hmm. Pedroia, like Alex Lowe. Like, I love those guys, but I don't know. There's something about, like, Hanley Ramirez, Mookie. Um, I, I call some of the guys differently than, like, like everyone calls – Bogart's like X-Man. I call him Bogey for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Noon. Ever since Nooney came over, I'm like the biggest Nunez fan ever, year, dude. Yeah. Dude, his inside like park the, home run was... Oh. Oh, was that the one that was like a bloop single? Yeah. I was... And then he slides into freaking <laughs> home plate, and I was like, oh my God, and dude. Because he's, like, he's fragile. Yeah, he's, You never know what's He's fragile. That, and then the very next game, he had a crazy slide into like home plate again, I think. And I think he got called out, or maybe it was go- maybe he was going into second. Yeah. Um, anyways, I like I love Nooney. I love Benny. Like, it's just one of my favorite teams because we got a lot of young guys, but we kind of got a little bit of mixture of the old guys too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um Pedroy is still there. I don't know. It's just the these guys are some of my um my favorite Sox players, and I'm really looking forward to the next like five years and that's why i think baseball still like is heading in a good direction because yeah. these young guys are coming up with personality and i know a lot of the unwritten rules get kind of angry when yasiel puig like sticks out his tongue but like watching the red sox dance i don't the red sox don't dance anymore no the they're outfield. just handshaking well to watch them get together and like do something like, it's just those little things like that we have these kids coming up and having fun that's- and the game is slowly it's kind of getting there to where you're like Okay, like you can see these guys and they're playing with a little bit of swag, a little bit of flair. Like, let's do this. And I wonder, I wonder why, like, I wonder if it's because, like, within the whole process of becoming, let's just say, an MLB player, Mm -hmm. going through AAU, high school, college, minors, I wonder if it's because, like, all of their personalities are having to be hampered and just pushed down because it's sort of quote unquote frowned upon within the sport Mm -hmm. because. You definitely do not see that in basketball um, oh, or no. football. No, not like, at all. It is now pretty much like every coach, you, you ask them like, oh, you know, I just let my players be themselves because that's how they play best. Mm-hmm. And while I understand that, like I feel like 50% of the time that's cliche and like especially in college, like 50% of the time that's just them um, trying to say like that's cliche or them actually being sincere about it. I'm not really sure. Um, but I definitely think that like somehow within baseball, because yeah, halfway through the season, like every baseball fan knew that the Red Sox win, like they're doing something cool in the outfield that yeah. for, you know, that five seconds that they do it is viral and it's fun to watch mm-hmm. when Yasiel did something like with his hair or he stuck out his tongue or, I mean, like he twirled the bat a certain way or whatever, like that was cool to see, mm-hmm. but we've got, like, no one else – I mean, there's a few players here and there, but, like, no one else does anything. No, because if you still flip your bat like Jose Batista, you're going to get punched in the face and yeah. get a fastball in your hip. I know. Because all this, all of a sudden the pitcher wants to get mad, but when he strikes you out in the inning, he's going to fist pump like he's Ron Swanson who's wearing <laughs> his red polo and just got laid. Like, I get it, man. It's like, like put, just put turkey ball. bacon in front of him. But that's one of the good things about Joe Madden, and I would imagine exactly. probably yes. – I would imagine probably Tito was the same way when he was in Boston. Like, let these guys be them. Maybe not as much. Not as much, but so now because 
it's getting more. Dude, Tito's one of my favorite all time baseball Tito, guys, man. hands down, man. I got a couple Terry Francona Cubs cards from back in the day, man. It's so good. But I, I think what you just said is a good point about the players. Like, I've heard now, and I lived in Scottsdale for two years, and so. Scottsdale's just kind of one of those places, like a ton of athletes vacation there, have second homes there. Um, I, I, I've seen quite a few like A-list sports celebrities in like random places like Charles Barkley and Bed Bath & Beyond. Like, you saw Charles Barkley? <laughs> the dude was That's talking so to the... So he was what talking was he buying, dude? Like an a iron? pillow. He was looking for a pillow because sense. his neck was hurting. Huh. He was talking to the Bed Bath & Beyond associate. So I've seen like random pl- people and I-, I was always like a couple of degrees of separation away from people because I was in the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. So I would have clients or like friends of clients that would come in and train or something and they they would be friends with like Charles Barkley or um, I'm trying to think of like some of the baseball players that they would talk about like. I can't remember like any specific names, but I, I remember hearing from multiple, multiple people that out of all of the athletes like in America in the four major sports that uh that baseball players are the most um cocky but yet the most fragile and like they get upset over like the smallest little things and I and I and I've thought about that a lot and I think that that's probably true like you see that like especially with pitchers like or just you know all of a sudden, you know, a 98-mile-per-hour fastball is hitting a guy in the hip because of a bat twirl, like you said, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, And it's just like, man, like, was that totally necessary? No, and, not at all. And, and you just don't see that in, like, other sports, I think. I think the biggest reason for that is because they're out there by themselves. They're on a team, but yet they're out there. They've got, you know, sometimes – 55 feet in between them and another human being for like 25 minutes at a time, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just, it's sometimes like, it's weird like that because they're not being able to interact with other players, like the other guys on their team that much. I don't know, but yeah, it's not like that. Like in basketball, like, um, who's, uh, the real funny guy in the golden state warriors that hates LeBron James. Um, Draymond Green? Yeah, him and like Draymond hate each other, but I feel like they'd hug each other after a oh, game like sure. last season yeah. when they won. They for sure. But that's interesting that baseball players are fragile. And I could even see that because like if you watch like Major League Baseball like post-game interviews, most of those guys don't seem like super energetic. Like they don't mm-hmm. want to talk. Like Bryce Harper literally in like his first press conference sat down and was like, uh, so if you guys want to talk about free agency, <laughs> yep. yeah. I'm going to walk right out the door. So yeah. there you go. And yeah. I'm like, Dude, yeah. Why don't you just wait till they ask you the question and be like, like I don't have a problem with what he said, but it's like he, can't, like you talk about like these guys being fragile and like cocky, like dude, wait when you're asked a question and smile, and just be like, I'm not gonna talk about it. Like I want to talk about this season because we got a World Series to win. Like that's like I imagine what Bill Belichick would do. Like we got oh, World yeah. Series to win, you know. Yep. Um, but that's interesting about baseball players being fragile, man. I've Poor heard guys. that from like multiple people that that's know players, not me, but multiple people. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. This was fun. This, this was, was good. This was a good time, dude. What's what 
is like the usually like I've heard some of your podcasts go like 45, 50 minutes or whatever. Have you ever had one go over an hour? No, the one I recorded yesterday was right at an hour. You know, I got a buddy Kyle who I record with who's got yep. a uh, the Cubs live yeah, guy. Ky- yeah, yeah, dude. And I maybe I want to say maybe the first time I talked to him may have been a doozy because he's a Cubs fan too. So we were literally just. Oh, I remember that one. I, I listen. Yeah, I think it yeah. The very first time that you dude, guys. Dude, thanks for listening, by the way, and thanks for doing this, dude. This was a blast, man. I yeah, know. Man. Um, this is part of the reason why I kind of wanted to do this thing, man. But I appreciate you taking the time to talk some. You co- bet, man. Talk some baseball, dude. This was a blast. Yeah, man. Absolutely. This was fun. It went well, a lot of different directions, but I I enjoy that type of thing, dude, we man. We didn't plan anything at all either. Not man. We just a sat down and started talking. But this is fun, dude. Like this is honestly like what I wanted for this podcast is to like meet people, sit down, and literally just talk baseball, dude. Um. And, like, I want to, like, do this stuff that makes it fun, but also, like, to do something that's not, like, watching guys on MLB Network, like, just in suits and, like, formally talking baseball. Like, I used to talk baseball, like, with my grandpa and, like, when I call my dad on the phone and talk baseball. Like, I could just do that all day and have a podcast about talking baseball. And it'd be a blast, dude. But, uh, no, thanks for taking the time, dude. dude. Thanks for being on, man. I know we were, like, an hour and a half into this thing. Um, And thanks for the hot dogs, dude. It was a phenomenal Maybe we can get him to sponsor the podcast. <laughs> the sponsor the other one, TM, that I can't say nope, on this yeah. podcast. Keep, keep that podcast in the works. From That's Nations. under the blanket That's secret, for now. Top secret. But we got we got to hit them up about that one. Well, you could you could join the Sweet Bee Studios conglomerate. <laughs> and <laughs> do you know why I came up with the name Sweet Bee Studios? Uh-uh. Dude, so I live with my in-laws until the house is done for like a month. And her name, so her name is the, B. No, I call the upstairs Sweet B. Because I said, when I get ah. mail, I said, I'm going up to Sweet B. And so when I need a podcast, I was like, I'm just going to call it Sweet B Studios because I'm recording I in love my it, man. upper room. I love it. But, dude, you'll have to come out to the new place sometime, dude, because it's going to be done. We close April 27th, and it's going to be like a whole, like, uh, baseball memorabilia like Ooh. type room man i got a buddy who's uh also a red sox fan dire he's from lowell massachusetts huge red sox fan and he's building like my desk in there man because he does like all this custom woodwork and stuff so he's building me like a man. coffee table two end tables for the house then build me this huge like seven foot desk um dude's dude you gotta connect dude. me with this guy because i need that i need i need wood woodwork you really Oh, dude, I yeah, I'll some. give you his Instagram information when we get off uh, here because he's he does like a lot of like charred wood Ooh, and yeah. like a- anything you need done. He do, he'll do like like we're going for like a mid century modern feel, yeah, aka like Mad Men Don Draper style, yeah, yeah. Um, so like I've got chairs with like the hairpin legs and like the light brown leather like stuff it. for that's gonna be good. But either way, you guys are listening to the greatest show under Cody. Do you want to say where people can find you online? I'm just uh, I'm a normal guy on Instagram uh, underscore Cody Nations. That's like United Nations N A T I O N S. I'm on Twitter too at uh, at underscore Cody Nations, and that's about it. Yeah. So if anyone's a Red Sox fan out there, or just a baseball fan that wants to see another baseball fan get really extremely angry when their team's not doing so good, you can follow me, and you can follow him too. And I think we're pretty good. I also um, I made a I made a pact with myself and my followers on Instagram that I would convert everyone to Red Sox Nation by the end of this season. So after every single Red Sox game on my Instagram stories, I post the score with just like a little template that I made, a little graphic template. And so I just like plug the score in there and give my two cents on it. And I keep track of the record and everything and the date. So if you guys don't, for some reason, have the MLB app or ESPN app or whatever, and you just want to know the score of the Red Sox games, you can follow me and check check my Instagram stories every day that we at least have a game. 
That's what's up. All right, dude. Thanks for being on the podcast. This is the greatest show on dirt, and we will catch you guys next time.